that everyone has seen. I, If you listened to last week's episode or watched and you didn't, you should go back because you'll be totally out of the loop. Um, I didn't understand the assignment. I knew there was one. Didn't follow the rules. That's fine. So we're going to continue from there. And I want to shout out all of our patients. So we're going to do that. Okay. So we're going to start with ours in the U.S. <clears throat> I'm pulling them up, so just bear with me. Because I'm sure they haven't changed since the last episode we recorded 10 minutes ago. But hello to everybody in Washington, California, Florida, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Rhode Island, Virginia, Colorado, Illinois, New York, Ohio, South Carolina, and the unknown from wherever you are. Totally okay. And then from around the world, we want to give a giant hello. There is more. Oh, that's why I didn't do them all the time. I just did a very select few. We'll come back to you, the United States. Just one second. Hello to everybody in the UK, India, Russia, Belgium, Jamaica, Italy, El Salvador, Sweden, Nigeria, Bulgaria, Albania, Canada, Cuba, Germany, Spain, Mexico, the Philippines, and South Africa. So back to the US. I, I knew that list was a little small. I was like, wow, she said that really fast. Enough yeah, I know. Yep. To re to rephrase, hello to everybody in California, Florida, Washington, Georgia, Illinois, Texas, Tennessee, Colorado, New York, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Kansas, Michigan, South Carolina, Wisconsin, Virginia, Arizona, Utah, Indiana, Kentucky, Massachusetts, Maryland, Minnesota, Montana, North Carolina, Rhode Island, Iowa, New Mexico, Ohio, Oklahoma, and the unknown, wherever you may be. So thank you all so much for being here. We really, really appreciate it. And jump right into this week's episode. I say this week because I can't remember. This is episode 27? Yeah, this is the one I think that comes out on the 30th. Like yeah, yeah, because right before this, you did 24, I did 25, you just did 26, and it's 27. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so, as you know, I have been doing some, you know, classic monster themes, right? So we've covered Jason Voorhees, we've covered Freddy Krueger. Who do you think we're covering this week? Does it have anything to do with your costume? Nope. God damn it. Uh, I think people die, but naturally people are going to die. <clears throat> oh, God. Is it still like how, like, like spooky, like scary? Yeah. I could say there's one word that defines this monster is the word Halloween. Michael Myers? Exactly. Good job. Oh, yes, we are. Doing... You can have one. I can't feel my life. Yes, we are covering Michael Myers. Finally, the I guess you could say the king of Halloween if you want to talk about the word. Um, <clears throat> so for those of you who don't know who Michael Myers is, it's just a little bit of history. 
when his he's a fictional character, by the way, Michael Myers is not real. Um, when he was six, he was admitted into a psychiatric hospital because he murdered his older sister, Judith Myers. And after nearly 15 years of captivity, Michael broke out uh, of the, uh, the insane asylum he was in. And for the last 23 years, he has been hunting down the rest of his family to kill them. And by hunting down, I mean he's killed everyone except Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, to be a lady from Freaky Friday. She's a scream queen from the 80s. I mean, I guess from the 70s. Like, Halloween came out in the 70s. Like, Jamie Lee Curtis is an icon. I, for one, love the fact that when you think about all of these, like, classic horror monsters, like, Michael Myers, yes, he's a classic horror monster. But Jamie Lee Curtis being the iconic scream queen of those films, She's been in basically every single one of them. Like, yeah. She's the scream queen of that whole franchise, which is amazing. We were watching one the other day, and I think it's one of the ones that was done by Rob Zombie. Because I believe his wife was in it, because I, I kind of recognized her. I know she's like a blonde, kind of like hair like this kind of chick. I, was like, I feel like that's his wife. And I was like, it was, it was okay, but it definitely wasn't the same because Jamie Lee Curtis wasn't in it. So it was like, I don't know, it wasn't, it wasn't like one of the good old classics. So we ended up not finishing the whole thing, but it was, it was okay. But yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, yeah, she has to be a part of it. Cause it's literally just, that's the traditional storyline is like with her in it involved. Cause she's the only one that continues to survive. Yep. And if you haven't been following along, the most recent one has dropped not too long ago. Me and John haven't seen it. I'm. I'm, I have purposely not seen reviews on it because I want to watch it without, you know, biasness. Yeah. Or thank you, bias. Um, and I, and I'm very well aware of the fact that it's never going to match. Like, here's the thing about it it's never going to match what Halloween was because guess what? These movies, and this is what happens when you date someone in the film industry is like these movies from especially like the 60s and the 70s, especially the 70s and the 80s, horror wasn't a thing. Like horror movies were not a thing. Like that's why you don't really see like the classic horror movies happened in like the late 70s. Like that, that's, I mean, in, in the 80s, but like anything before that wasn't necessarily meant to like legit right in the audience like spook sure but not scare them and horror became a thing after that and it's like nothing's ever going to match that we literally just watch it have you ever heard of slumber party and i'm sorry um sleepaway camp have you ever seen sleepaway camp Mm -mm. listen that movie came out in like the 80s, the 70s or the 80s. We watched it last night. That bought a part of our, like, our 31 days of Halloween. Yeah. The movies are not great leading up to like towards the end. By the end, you're like, I'm sorry, what the fuck? Like the end is fabulous. But it's it's one of those that John describes like a cult classic. And cult classics are not created. They're determined by the audience. Like, they're a happy accident is basically what a cult classic is. So you can't seek out to make one. Like the audience is really like how they saw this movie and how they responded to it. And it's like these movies, like 
you know, Friday the 13th, Halloween, A Nightmare on Elm Street. They're not cult classics. They're not. But they are, you know, classic heroes, not hero, monster staples in the horror community. And it's just really interesting to me. So, no. The new Halloween or the final Halloween, whatever it is, is not going to hold up to Halloween. Yeah. I do love the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. She's here to finish it. And that's where we are. This is like supposedly like the end of it, right? Like this is supposed to be like, it literally is like, they say it's the end. Yeah, exactly. I want to know like how, because I mean, there's so many times where you assume it's the end and it's not. Yeah, Like how are they going to tell us as the audience who's seen this before Tell us definitively, this is the end. Exactly. Like, I'm so curious. I'm like, I need to know for sure. Like, how? That's because, where I'm like, like, unless you show me, like, dismembering his body into bajillion pieces, that he is not coming back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you've been following the Halloween franchise since... That guy's been shot how many times now? Like, Thank you. That, way. that is not the way. Thank you. Okay, so we've got all that in our brains. Mm-hmm. So now we're talking about Michael Myers here, right? What do you know about Michael Myers, the character? Like you said, he's crazy. He killed his sibling, his sister, uh, was put in a sane asylum, broke out. And like you said, he was trying to kill his whole family. Um, and that, you know, he continued, it's, it's his hunt on halloween basically so whenever halloween rolls around it's almost like a trigger he puts a mask on he becomes this person supposedly like almost invincible because he keeps surviving through bullets and whatnot um comes back to try to like hunt everybody down but the curious thing of it is it seems to be just halloween itself something triggers right am i wrong yeah you're not i mean triggers are triggers and that's Tends to be the theme for serial killers in general, right? There's always a trigger. There's always a theme. There's always a person. There's always a oh, whatever, right? So he puts on so, a mask and, like, basically turns into this persona on Halloween, basically. Mm-hmm. Even though he means everything that he's doing. Mm-hmm. So, a little bit about... Um, I know we already kind of talked a little about his past, but the first movie of Halloween aired in 1978, which is when John was born. In case anyone wants to know my boyfriend or how old he is, he's born in 1978. Curtis Richard, if you don't know who he is, he published the first novel about Michael Myers in 1979. So I didn't know. I don't know if you knew, but I didn't know Halloween was adapted into a book. Um, and it was in 1979. And there was actually other books made after that, uh, preceding the further movies. But this book in particular, I couldn't find the name of it, which I thought was really weird. I just assumed it would be Halloween, right? But this book uh, gave a prologue and a backstory to Michael Myers and what would drive him to commit these murders and stuff like that. So let me paint a picture for you, Shannon. Are you ready? Mm. So you've seen The Dark Knight, right? The Batman movie? Yes. Okay. So the scene. 
the scene where the Joker is walking out of the hospital in the nurse's outfit, and he's like, button blows up the place in the back. That's really like me when I try to leave work. You know, I, I imagine that is happening behind me. Exactly. So that's a very back. iconic moment, right? Yeah. You know, so this is basically the story you're about to roll into. Okay. Ready? Uh-huh. It's short, but here we go. So I just want that visual in your head. It doesn't make any sense, but here's what's going to happen. So we're going to Queens, New York. I need you to go to Queens. Uh-huh. March 1st, 1987. Okay. It's 12.30 p.m. In building 38 of the Creedmoor Psychiatric Center. Alarm sounds. Patients are being ushered back into their cells. And one by one, you hear clack, 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 slam, lock. Doors. Everything's gone into lockdown. What's going on? Lieutenant Edwin Lashak has arrived on site. After receiving a weird call, there has been one less patient during roll call than normal. So he shows up. He's looking around, and this patient is supposedly, supposedly missing from the facility. They're not there during check-in, right? During roll call. So this story is a short one. Like I said, it's about John Marrero. Let's start from the beginning, right? If you've never heard of John Marrero, because I've never heard of John Marrero, which is totally fine, but unlike most uh, my cases, and, and unlike most of the cases that I cover, I couldn't really find any information on this dude. And I think it has everything to do with the fact that he was a minor during his crime. And right, okay. like the U.S. protects minors to the fullest extent of the law. And I really couldn't find much on what he did, which ended up in the position that he was in. So hence why it's a little bit shorter there's no background history on his family. I really couldn't find anything on this guy. I'm surprised I found what I did. So just so everyone's aware. It's a shorty, but a goodie, right? Mm-hmm. So we need to dial back the clock. So I just said, cops are called. It's 1987, right? We're going to dial back the clock about eight years. So here's a pop quiz. We're dialing back the clock eight years. What year are we going back to? 79. Beautifully done. I am not that drunk. <laughs> Very good. So I, yes. You know, my husband judges me, judges me as much as I drink wine. He's not part of this. I can still math. Listen, kids, at the end of the day, the only math you need to know in real life, unless you're a scientist, is like, Addition, subtraction, and multiplication. You don't really need to, and division sometimes, but you don't need to know the rest, okay? In my entire life, and you're a nurse, have you? No. There you go. This that works literally in the ER with me, and if I really wanted to know that much, I'm sure she'd probably tell me. There you go. We all have a friend. Can I give this with this medication? Yes or no. (laughs) Exactly. So just just a side note for you. Mm -hmm. So it is now 1979 and a 14-year-old John 
is arrested after the body of his sister has been discovered. She was only 14 years old herself. So they're roughly the same age. And unfortunately, like I said, I do not know the details of the murder. And I scoured, I did, I scoured the internet. So if anyone has any more information that I don't mention or I don't know, please let me know. Uh, John uh, had stabbed his sister to death before throwing her body out of a six-story building. So, yeah, we don't know where the building was. Don't know where he was, but we do know he was arrested at the time. And there we go. So now we're going to jump forward a whole year. So 1980. And he goes to trial for her murder. And if you remember from the beginning, he's obviously not sent to prison. Right? Uh, John is found guilty. Or he's, I'm sorry, he's found not guilty. Um, and I quote, of mental disease or defect. So he's not found guilty of her murder, but he's found basically insane. Mm -hmm. And he would be sent to Ward's Island. Not, not funny now. Welcome to the, the psych ward. No, but he would be sent to Ward's Island in 1983, where he meets another inmate. This is where the story gets fun. So in 1980, he is sent, he's basically found not guilty by means of insanity. He is now sent to a psychiatric facility. He ends up in Wars Island in 1983, where he meets another inmate. We don't know their name. And they decide they're going to escape from Wards Island. Mm -hmm. So they decide they're going to escape. They saw through the barred windows. Don't know where they found a saw. Don't know what they used to saw the windows. But they saw through the barred windows. And then they scaled down the building um, after they've tied together bed sheets. Like 25 bed sheets they tied together and they scaled down the side of this building and they fucking leave. They leave Ward's Island and they escape. And John would only be free for three days before police find him at a hotel in the Bronx somewhere. He goes back with them without resistance and everything is fine. We don't really know when this happens, but eventually he is relocated to Rikers Island. I've heard of Rikers Island. I don't know if you've heard of Rikers Island, have you? Yeah. Okay. I don't really know much about it. I just know that it's where prisoners go, right? So he's sent to Rikers Island. It's really unclear about why he was sent there. I can only theorize it's because apparently Ward's Island wasn't secure enough for him as an escapee. So they sent him somewhere else and he ends up at uh, Rikers Island and he's there for a while where he decides he's going to escape again. I mean, why not? You would think that being someone who's already had an escape on their record, he's someone that you should keep an eye on, right? They don't really give a shit. So he eventually escapes from Rikers Island. So this is the second facility he's been to and the second time he's escaped. This time he decides he's going to escape. He, he Let me ask you. I, I, I'm, I'm just super curious. On Wars Island, he meets someone. They saw through bars. They scale down the walls with bed sheets into a makeshift rope. How do you think he escaped from Rikers Island? 
Did he saw through the bars again and use bed sheets to climb down again? No. No. He walked out. First time I would have done it again. (laughs) He he just walked out the front door. No. Oh, that's great. Yeah, he he walked out. He just was like, peace out, gross out. Like, I'm just not feeling it, right? Like, the rides just, like, weren't there. Let me tell that reminds me of, like, Harry Potter. So if anybody's out there and is a super Harry Potter nerd like me, that's literally what Harry does one time as he took, like, the lucky potion or whatever to go get information from the professor or whatever. He literally is like, he's like, so how did you, how did you get out of the castle? He's like, I just walked out the front door. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Reminded me of Harry Potter. There you go. All right. Continue. He strolls out. And you, like you said, being someone with the previous escape history, they would keep it on him. Nah. Nah. Yeah. He shows out the doors and then he decides three days later he wants to come back. So he just comes back. And that's, that's it. And he just comes back three days later. Nothing happens. So within two weeks, he is now transferred. So he's been from Ward's Island to Rikers Island. And now he's being transferred again. So within two weeks, he's been transferred to Creedmoor, which is where we started this entire story. Fun fact, he gets transferred to Creedmoor after his escape attempt. And he's there. So within two weeks. What do you think happens? He escapes again. He escapes again. Seems to be a trend, right? So, unlike his previous facilities, Creedmoor, they actually took extra precautions with John, or so they thought, right? Some patients in Creedmoor had passes that they could leave campus because Creedmoor at the time, like, some of them were voluntary, so they could leave voluntarily, some of them not so much, but some of them had passes. They could actually physically leave the premises. They could go visit family. They could go to work. They could go do whatever. He was not one of the lucky ones that had a pass. So he didn't get the ability to walk. And by campus, I mean like the grounds. Like it means like he left the facility and then there's like the ground. Then he like left the ground. So it's like, there's two pieces. Whenever he left his room, he had to have an escort. So somebody of the facility had to walk around with him wherever he went. So he just wasn't allowed to be anywhere by himself. Um, and even though that was the case, police were dumbfounded about how he managed to escape. And as I would mentioned in the beginning, he escaped from Creedmoor, right? Mm-hmm. They looked around, they searched, they investigated, and they realized, like, they didn't see any disturbance to the bars and the windows. So there was no evidence that he tried to saw the windows. He didn't break anything. He didn't try to tie any bed sheets into rope. And they were like, quote, like, it's basically like he just left. Like, he just walked out. I mean, he did walk out the front door last time. He must be awfully convincing and very nonchalant about it, so. That's all I'm saying, man. So there's no broken windows. There's no bars saw through. Not even a bed sheep. Bed sheet. Bed sheep. That's funny. Not even a bed sheet rope. And as they said, he walked out of there as if nothing had ever happened. 
And I'm sure he either came back or was found. But here's the crazy thing. I never, I, I never, and I couldn't find anything about him being returned to Creedmoor in my research. I found him being captured and returned um, when he was at Wards Island. Uh, he was gone for like two months before they found him, but I could never find anything that said he was actually returned to Creedmoor, nor could I find anything about his escape and, you know, I guess not possible. Um, what is it like when you purposely turn yourself in? What's that? Oh, surrender. Yeah. Or when he like surrenders himself back to Rikers Island. Like there's, sorry, I'm charging my phone. I'm not on my computer. You know, there's, there's nothing there about any of that. The only thing I could find is his recapture to Ward's Island. So I'm like, okay, that's interesting. But here's where it gets even better. During my research, I found another bonkers ass story two days after John escapes from Creedmoor. Okay, I told you this was a little short one, but I had to find something else for you. Yeah. So two days after he escapes from Creedmoor, two of the staff, the staff was found at 4 a.m. dead. They were bludgeoned to death at 4 a.m. Or not at 4 a.m., but they were found by 4 a.m. They had been bludgeoned to death. One body was found in the assailant's room, and the other body will be found in another room or another cell, if you will, by the assailant. The culprit, you might ask, was none other than Mr. Diasek. Diasek was still holding the fire extinguisher that he used to bludgeon to death the staff members of uh, feed more. Mm-hmm. Here's the fun thing about that, though. He, Mr. Diasek, was described by the staff as a model inmate and showed no indication that he would come or he had the capacity to kill or the capacity for killing, is what the staff had to say about him. Hmm. He would be charged with two counts of second degree murder. I don't know what the result of that whole case was. I'll be honest. I didn't really look into it. But I found it very interesting that just two days after John escapes, something very high-level gruesome happened in the same facility that he was in. Now, I said he was in Building 38. Now, this this hospital had multiple buildings. But regardless, it was a high-security building for high-security criminals John, even though he was found not guilty by basically plea of insanity, he still murdered, brutally murdered his sister mm-hmm. and was sent to mental facilities where he continued to escape. Even though he posed no threats, he still continued to escape and yet continued to be housed with other high crime inmates. So you could only assume that you would hope that those inmates would also be under high security. Because the creep law gets much more in-depth after that. So, here's where I get a little bit of my annoyance brain, right? Like, 
Have you noticed, Shannon, especially being a medical professional yourself, that during any case, be it true crime or an old case, it doesn't really matter, but any case that involves murder with someone that has now claimed or the thought of mental illness has been brought to the table, that these treatment facilities they have been in or have been sent to, the people always fucking say they uh they're not a harm to themselves or others they're not a threat and uh oh on and on like they're just a good person i don't think they would ever hurt anybody like it just it just irritates me to the fullest extent and i hate feeling that way because like as someone who studied psychology in college like you want to believe the best in your patients And it's like, you have to accept a bunch of variables. Like you have to accept them, their environment, their treatment. Like there's a bunch of variables that go into psychiatric care. And even in medical care, there's a bunch of variables that people just don't even think about because like that's not in their scope of understanding. But like, I have noticed in people like Ed Kemper, even like Ted Bundy, like anyone who has sought out, not only just sought out like psychiatric care, been Mm -hmm. forced into psychiatric care or been just treated by it. These very dangerous people come out being said like, well, I just am so surprised. Like they just this, 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 this. And it makes me feel like, well, no wonder people don't have any faith in the psychiatric industry. Like that's pretty bad. Yeah. So I'm going to go off on like, a small tangent for a minute because working in an emergency department, working in healthcare, I did a little stint in psych, like the psych wards too. Just a very small stint when I was a lot younger. Um, I've seen a lot of like mental health illnesses. When you look at like severe cases, like even like the popular right now of like Jeffrey Dahmer and stuff like that, like all these severe cases of like serial killers, like very evil, evil things that are done, people assume you hear the stereotypical, you know, are they schizophrenic or are they like bipolar and all these things? The reality is what you're saying too is all these people that talk to them or know them all say they are so normal. So what I don't understand as like a a healthcare personnel that's around it quite a bit too is a lot of the times these people that are schizophrenic, that are bipolar, they get a very bad stigma with it for whatever reason. I don't know why people associate it. I think it's because it is such an extreme psychiatric disorder that people associate that scary. Like, I don't understand that. Like, why are they hearing voices? They must be the ones that are going out and like killing all these people. But realistically, if you take a step back and think about all those stories, like you're saying, where you hear people say like, oh, like about Jeffrey Dahmer, like maybe they knew him personally, like I would have never thought he would have done that because he doesn't display those severely psychiatric disorders. And that's my, that's my soapbox is that just because you're diagnosed schizophrenic, bipolar, whatever it may be. Yes, you are an extreme level of like a psychiatric disorder and it is, it can be scary for people, but most of the time, these aren't the people that are harming people to an extreme level, such as Jeffrey Dahmer, such as all these serial killers that we hear about all the time they are not the ones that are doing those kind of things. So it's like your neighbor or whoever, it's like your, your, your relative, you know, your friend that you kind of know a little bit, 
people that you don't know but seem so normal are more often going to be the ones that do those evil, heinous things than somebody who is diagnosed with a severe mental disorder. And I think a lot of it, like I said, is just people lack of knowledge. You know, I noticed that when I've talked to individuals that know somebody personally that's, you know, been diagnosed with a mental disorder, have that different perspective too. Because once you know somebody personally, like I do know somebody personally who was diagnosed, you see them as a person that they are, that you know. Yes, it's scary that they have that that disorder that they're diagnosed with. But like I said, they're not the ones that are going to be out killing everybody. In fact, those are the ones with the psychiatric disorders that are coming into my hospital that are getting the help that they need that aren't out there killing everybody, you know? Like, that's the reality. It's like, they they acknowledge that, hey, I hear these voices in my head or, hey, I have these thoughts. I'm going to admit myself. I don't think they're the ones, that's my soapbox that I'm going to get off of for a second because that's my theory is that like, if there's ever going to be a mass murder killer, serial killer, more than likely than not, they are not going to be a diagnosed mental disorder patient at all. Exactly. And and I 100% agree with you. Like the people who are getting treatment, and here's the thing, mm-hmm. no offense, America, but full offense, we like to believe we're so open-minded. We're not. Like, I'm sorry, the majority of you are not open-minded. No. And the majority of us are scared of what we don't know. That's how yeah. humans are. It's not just America. It's humans. Humans are afraid of what they don't understand. Therefore, they attack what they don't understand. We did it with LGBTQ. We did it with Black people. And I'm sorry, maybe I should go backwards. We did it with Black Americans. We did it with LGBTQ. I'm sorry, we did it with uh, Native Americans. We stole their fucking lands. And if you don't agree with me, fuck off. But we did that with all these things. Like we did it. We continued to do it. And it's like, there's a very slim group that feel this way, that act this way. And we have to be the ones to change that. But you're absolutely right. Like, of anything, it's not the majority creating this issue. It's not the majority. It's it's a very slim minority, but how the news is broadcast. Oh is my gosh. Yeah. Yes. If you literally haven't figured out so much is media based. So another side soapbox of Shannon's is I'm sorry, but as a pet owner, I cannot stand I instantly change the channel as soon as I hear a news news article go out. Like, you know how many times on the news you hear? Um, small dog attacked by pit bull. I am sorry. I am over it. That is the only thing you hear on the news related to dogs. Is some chihuahua or some small animal being chewed up by a random pit bull. My pit bull mix happily lives with her best friend who is a chihuahua. No issues. She has never once bitten another dog in her entire life. Ever. In fact, I'm pretty sure she's afraid of the chihuahua. Fun fact. But that's the Nothing thing now. Box. But yes, the media 100% drives people's perception on dogs, for example. People, for example, like psychiatric disorders. Like you're just like you're saying. And it's just like, I'm so curious if somebody would ever to do a study based off of, hey, would you sit here and have lunch with this person if you know that they were schizophrenic? Yes or no? How many people would honestly say, I would not feel comfortable having dinner with them or lunch with them just because they know that fact about that person? And that sucks. 
Yep. And here's here's bonkers. Here's bonkers, Shannon. Bedonkers. I like bedonkers. That's fine. <laughs> I wish like it's it's this kind of conversation that makes me really wish like I had finished my schooling because I said early on in this podcast and you know you've been friends with me for fucking ever like I never finished college I studied psychology a lot but I never finished I don't have a degree and when I was in school and when I wanted to finish my degree I had a very specific goal like I wanted to become a psychiatrist which is a doctor and if you don't know the difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist the basic answer is a psychiatrist can prescribe medicine and a psychologist cannot both can do talk therapies both are very important roles in the field and neither one is more important than the other but some has you have to do a lot more schooling and you get a lot more you can do a lot more things but I wanted to become a psychiatrist and my study that I wanted to do is I wanted and and I know this would never happen like this is only something that happened in movies and I would wish I could do it but I wanted to and, and you know this I wanted to go into a psychiatric ward and impersonate a patient because I've always had this theory. I'm like, how many of these people are actually quote, quote, insane? Like how many of these people are actually here because they need psychiatric help? And how many of them are here and fooling their doctor into thinking that they're okay? And this whole theory came from one reading the book Cut. If you've never read the book Cut, it's a very short book. It's a very small book. So, so good. I don't remember the movie, but there's a movie where Angelina Jolie is in it and it takes place in the psychiatric ward. This girl goes in. It's kind of like Cut. She goes in. She's like, I'm actually not insane, but I was put here by my parents because, you know, they're affluential people and I'm bad mark on the family and I tried to kill myself, blah, 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 blah. So I need to get clearance from the doctor so I can leave, right? So like, how do we not know that people in these psychiatric wards aren't just fucking lying? Like, they're just telling you what you want to hear to check boxes and let them leave. Like, how do you know that as a doctor? Like, how do you know that? You don't. You fucking don't, unless they tell you to your face. And I'm like, I would love to pretend to be in there. I want to be in that. And it's, it's first of all, I understand all of the issues, what I'm saying. Totally do. But situations like the one with John, situations like the one you're talking about, situations like the movies and the books and everything that I'm referencing and the things I'm about to say all fit into this fucking category. I'm like, you don't know what's true and what's not. Like, how are you going to fucking know? Yeah, you don't. And you're literally just basing things off of word of mouth of somebody. Just like when I get, I had a, the other day, a young girl come in saying that she felt like she was going to kill herself. Bravo for her to come in to get help. I commended her immensely for that because she just walked in on her own free will. And it's like, you don't know, like, like I said, your, your relative, your friend or whatever, they could be hearing voices too, but they're so afraid because of what the media puts out there that they don't want to, they don't want to get the help. So it's like, exactly. you know, I appreciate anybody that walks through my hospital saying that they're having a mental health crisis because they're being brave. That's what they are. 
Yeah, they're being brave by getting the help that they need, knowing that it's going to suck. Because I'm not going to lie. Sure. Whenever you come in through a hospital saying that you feel like you're going to harm yourself, it's not it's going to suck. It is because we 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 take quite a bit away and it's just for your safety. And then but at the moment, it's hard to understand that. So I commend anybody that's brave enough to do that, you know. Yep. Both do. So naturally, you can assume I had to dig into what the fuck is going on in this goddamn hospital. Yeah. Yeah. And where where the fuck is this John guy? Like, I really want to know. Did they ever find him? I don't know. I'll be honest. I have no idea where he is. There's, I couldn't find anything. And I'll get into that in just a second. But I'm like, okay, so he escapes. Two days later, two fucking employees are murdered by a patient who is called, right? Who's called the ICLRs, Emmett Day, a pillar of the community, right? Like Emmett Christie, like they're a pillar of the community. Like, yeah, no, I'm like, what the fuck is going on in this goddamn facility? And this is just a very, very Shannon skim overview. I would love to do an in-depth story on this facility because what I'm about to say in the history of the Creedmoor is such a skim of the shit that I read. I would love to give you a, a end of that roof. So, real quick, before you do that, though, is is this still like an operating facility? Yes. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so continue. Your your eye twitch. <laughs> <laughs> so here here's some history on the Creedmoor. Okay, it was founded in 1912. And originally called the Farm Colony of Brooklyn State Hospital. I don't know when it was changed to the name of uh, the Creedmoor. I couldn't find that. I might later, but I couldn't find it when it was changed to the Creedmoor. But at the height of this hospital's, I guess, lifespan, it housed more. It housed over seven thousand patients just in this hospital alone. This is one of twenty-one hospitals in New York, by the way with over 7,000 patients before it was de-institutionalized during the time span of 1960 to the 1980s, which makes sense in terms of when John escapes because it hadn't been completely done. But during this time frame, it started the process of de-institutionalization. The hospital, this didn't happen until the hospital made headlines why the hospital made headlines, you ask, was because a patient died, finally, during an attack. This patient was attacked. Uh, they were bound by a straitjacket, and then his throat was crushed. I don't know how that happens when you're in a straitjacket, unless it's by <laughs> force, right? You don't yeah. accidentally have your throat crushed, right? So either by somebody else who's living there or by a staff member. I'm going to guess actually a staff member, truly. Oh, you'd be so correct. So the assailant was a member of the staff. Uh, he was re- he was reported as striking Mr. Vungus, who was the patient at the time, uh, in the throat with a blackjack. Do you know what a blackjack is? No. So I'll send you a picture, but a blackjack is basically like a like a baton, like a police baton, but it's basically wrapped in leather and it kind of has like a bulge on the end. Like it just looks like a... 
First husband interference. I'm not going to say smuggled in because in this facility, basically anything went. And they could just bring weaponry into this facility. So it was one of many weapons used to abuse patients. Um, the orderlies and attendants had claimed that they were abandoned by their supervisors and left to make decisions. Um, admittedly, that should have been made by doctors. And that their complaints about being seriously understaffed were ignored. So they were like, there was one person that they interviewed on this uh, one article that I read that she was like, uh, we were ignored by the doctors that were here in the facility. We were severely understaffed and they didn't care. And we were forced to make decisions about who should and shouldn't be in straitjackets, which doctors need to make that decision. And she's like, there were a bunch of things that we were just, they were, there were attendees and these attendees were left locked, locked into rooms with patients. And they were just left there for their entire shift just to guard them. Um, and that didn't matter what happened. They were just left there to do that. Um, beatings, abuse, and neglect were rampant in the facility, which, you know, advocates for mental health very much love to hear about. And it was even said, and this is what I'm about to say, is the cleanest version of the shit that I read. Just, just mind that. So the place resembled, um, oh, people, um, cries were met with threats was a direct quote from one of the staff members. The cries of patients were met with threats from the staff. Um, and the patients were treated more like inmates in a, in, in a penitentiary than they were in an actual hospital. And that included how they were treated, how they were uh, housed, and everything in between. And one, the same lady, I'm, I'm assuming she's kind of become the advocate for this place and being like, I guess, like the whistleblower, even though she didn't blow the whistle. Um, she kept the journal of everything that happened there, which is why I think everybody loved her. Um, she said that she cried day in and day out of the abuse that she saw. And she didn't know that's what she was subjecting herself to. Um, and angry patients were put into 10 by 14 secluded cells for an indiscriminate amount of time until they calmed down, which could range anywhere from hours to months. And these are like, like sunless cells, windowless just like you're in, you're in a room, you're in a padded cell, if that, until you calm down. They were just left there. That's insane. Theoretically speaking, we actually have one of those at my hospital in the ER. I've seen it. I know where it's, it's like a specific room we have. To be honest, in my almost year now being there, we've never actually used it because we, you find other ways. It's a, they say, I think in the, so it's been open since 2020 now, like the new ER that they rebuilt that has that room. It's only ever been used once. So to put that into perspective, you have numerous different options to 
help and assist a patient than putting them in a secluded room. Like you, that's literally usually the last, last thing that you do. Yep. And to make it worse, that's not the last thing they do. She also talked about how they were illegally bound. And if you don't know what that means, it, you've heard, everyone's heard of a straitjacket, right? Mm-hmm. But these people were being bound up illegally according to the law. Like there are laws around what require someone to be bound. And to the point I mentioned earlier, these decisions need to be made by a doctor, not an orderly, not by a, an assistant. But these decisions were being left to the orderlies and to the assistants. And so some of these people were being illegally bound um, with, with uh, what's the word, adhesive tape from their hands to their elbows to urine-soaked mattresses with this adhesive tape. And they were just left there. Or they're bound with straitjackets for hours on the minimum without proper approval from doctors. They actually needed it. Or for how long? They needed it. It was just easier for them to do that because they didn't have the manpower. And I'm not saying that it's okay. I'm not saying that's an excuse. I am saying that this is what the reality was of this facility. And even as a psychologist, here's what annoyed me. And I haven't included it in a bunch of my notes. I'm not going to go on a tangent, but there's a psychologist from this facility that left five months after he came because he was almost killed by a patient. He said, And I quote, it's not surprising that somebody finally got killed in there. And this is after the one person had his throat crushed because he'd almost been killed by a patient. And he goes on and the director of this whole fucking unit, like I said before, there's multiple units, but like the director of this unit, he's like, my people did nothing wrong. I don't see anything was wrong. He's like, I didn't see any staff member attack a patient without provocation because there were laws in place of like you cannot attack a patient there are laws in place like you cannot physically attack a patient it's like well i never saw anything that didn't require provocation like how is someone not going to defend themselves and i'm reading this article like i said i'm not going to get too much into it but i'm reading this article and he's just going on and on and on about how these staff members had to protect themselves. And I'm like, yeah, they probably did because they were understaffed, undertrained, and underfunded. But funding was never a point of any of the articles that I read, which I found interesting. It all had to do with the fact that like, they were being forced to basically lie in front of the media. So a confidential report a confidential report, that means a report sent within the, the staff department said, and I quote, the ward staff have had no particular training in the management of assaultive patients. No training package for this position seems to exist in the hospital. That was a confidential statement made within the facility, but yet he doesn't see anything wrong and he's never seen a staff member attack a patient without provocation. Okay. Okay. But today, in case you were curious, the facility still runs. And even though at their height, they have housed over 5,000 people, today, 
they only house a few hundred patients uh, that still go to Creedmoor and only in an outpatient program. There's no inpatient programs. They're only there for outpatient treatment. There is nothing that it used to be. Which means there are one of two things. There are one of two answers going on here. One being, I suck at research, which is a very strong possibility. Two, being Creedmoor wanted to keep everything under wraps, which, which makes a lot of sense. I didn't say it was beforehand, but when John had escaped, I had said that I don't know what happened to his return. I'm kind of like, well, it made like the New York Times that he had escaped. So it's interesting that his return was never notated anywhere. But also the Creedmoor has a lot more shit to hide than just John escaping, especially because he, which is weird, like he murdered his sister, but he hasn't been violent. Like anything that I read, he hasn't been violent since then, which is interesting. Or yeah, but that's what intrigued me is because like in the past, he turned himself back in even because a lot of people that are like that, they're what you classify as almost like somebody who's like a, been an inmate for a long time, like an institutionalized person. And we've seen that before, too, even like in a hospital setting, too, these people are so used to being in a sense like taken care of that they don't know how to live like on their own. So they continuously just have this pattern where they're just constantly like going in some sort of institution, whether it be jail, hospital, mental health hospital, too. So we see that, too. And it's sad. But and that's what makes me believe like why? Why now, if anything, did he not go back? you know, or did he go back is another thing. Like either he went back and it wasn't told or he didn't go back and it also wasn't told. So there's something there that something happened that they're lucky because media is the way it is now that people would just forget. Yep. And this was in 1987. Like this wasn't even like recent. Right. Interesting to yeah. Me. yeah, exactly. And so or there's option number three. I am shitty at research and they wanted to cover everything up. That's also an option. But if you want to cover everything up. Exactly. I mean, they, they already have rounding up. You would cover up the fact that he has fled too. Yep. And the fact that your facility is poorly fucked. And one of the points yeah. I didn't mention earlier was like, a full-fledged, they quote, investigation had happened after the murder of the two staff, like two days after John had fled. They're like, we're going to look into this. And one of the people they brought in was someone who had surveyed the, the facility, like a, a couple of years ago, who was a whatever doctor, whatever, they had credentials. And he was like, well, you know, it was uh, up until new management, this facility seemed to be running correctly. And I'm like, either that was a way to protect your image or you're correct. Or up until new management, shit wasn't okay. But I'm also like, how long ago was it that actual like human rights and like people who make sure this is safe for the public came in like when was the last time that was done since 1912 it's been only since recent times actually like that's the sad part is that the only thing i will commend 
things like government and is Medicaid and Medicare because they provide that crucial authentic like the authentic authentic oh my god I can't say it authentication oh there we go so that's the only thing I will give them any form of credit for and it's kind of in a fucked up way anyways though is that Medicare and Medicaid are a lot of the deciding factor whether or not a hospital gets the funds from Medicare and Medicaid through these patients so what that means for any non-medical personnel is that Say you are mentally ill and you are deemed by the state to be mentally ill. You cannot care for yourself. You cannot hold a stable job, yada, yada, yada. You fall under, you can possibly qualify for something called Medicaid, which is health insurance through the government. So what that means is that say I'm under Medicaid. I admit myself to the hospital because I have suicidal thoughts. I am here because I have suicidal thoughts. So anything that the hospital does, whether you give medications, do anything like any kind of healthcare related stuff gets billed to Medicaid. Medicaid has set up a program now to watch hospitals, basically any kind of mental health hospital, any kind of hospital in general, any facility in that sense that, hey, if I'm paying you, I need to make sure that you are doing X, Y, and Z. So each institution now must be audited, checked, all that kind of stuff. So that's the only thing I will give them any form of credit for because I actually hate like most government health insurances because they just, it's a lot of bureaucracy that I don't like, but I will give them credit for at least holding places accountable nowadays. Cause I mean, it's not even like, like you were saying, like this is the eighties. It's not super long ago that this was happening. Even, even in the nineties, up to the early two thousands, even like all this stuff has just been a recent change nowadays. Yep. And as as, as shit as it sounds, it's really related to money, to be honest, cause they want to make sure that their money's being used properly. But at least it benefits the patients to an extent because now all these places are actually being audited and looked after. Like anything that we do in a hospital setting gets checked and make sure that we're using the appropriate providers. We're using doctors. We're documenting everything. We're not, you know, just putting person in a room like you were saying for God knows how long just because they're agitated or whatever it is. So, but I I don't think that the general public realizes that this these horrible things weren't happening that long ago. So yep. praise the Lord we are where we are nowadays because not very long ago we weren't like this at all. Yeah, I mean, I don't think people understand is like by not that long ago, it was like, people don't get, it's like in like the 1940s, you could commit your wife for just annoying you. Like, you could send her away to a facility because she annoyed you. Like that was probably being like hormonal one week and you had her committed. Exactly. No one's going to always repair her. Give her a fucking break. <laughs> exactly. But that, that's the point though. And like to all this is like people don't understand like mental health. Like mental health has been around forever. We've never given a shit as much as we do as we have in the last like 10 years in the last like 10 years mental health has become a forefront and even then we're just now grasping the bare minimum of that and like be, like being someone who studied it in arizona like my Hebrew professor was like arizona is the worst state for mental health like we have the shittiest programs we have the shittiest everything like just so you're aware this is what you're about to go up against. But that's like besides the point. So I just want to say, even though there was no 
positive conclusion, I'm kind of like, he escaped, which I'm like, he's escaped from every place he's been in, right? Like, from, you know, doing Shawshank Redemption type shit from Wars Island to just being like, by Ben, you'll see you like in three days from Rikers Island to just like completely disappearing from, you know, Creedmoor. And we don't know if he ever came back or was brought back. Like, I couldn't find fucking shit. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you know more than I do or you found something that I couldn't find, like, please, like, let me know. Like, I would love to know what the fuck happened to John. You know, I, I want to see if anybody like helps us dig into this. I, I mean, he's in like New York, like all this shit's like in New York in Queens in the fucking Bronx. Oh, we have some New York listeners. Like, I'm wondering, like, can anybody like dig into this and find out like anything else? Because we just at this point, it's like I just want to know like the the resolution of this. Like, is he out there somewhere? Like, if he is, obviously he seems to be doing okay. Because haven't heard anything. Yeah, is what's he out crazy? there at the end? Yeah, what's is crazy is like when die? he was when he was captured in Rikers, they actually contacted people that he they said people from his past was in parentheses. And I'm like, okay, so people he knew, like why isn't um I feel like we're able to say like people from their past, they need very dark figures. I'm like, he probably just like knew these people, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but they contacted people that he knew and then they were able to find out where he was, which was in like a motel and they found him in this motel and he surrendered without like propagating. Like, he was like, okay, fine, I'll go back. Like he was gone for three days and was like, all right, fine, I'll go back three or four days. Like, okay, I'm, I'm sorry, not three or four days. That was Ward's Island in Rikers. It took, no, other way around in Ward's Island. They didn't find him until December. And then he came back. But both times in Rikers, he came back voluntarily. In Ward's Island, they found him in a motel. And he was like, all right, I'll go back. But like nothing he's done has been violent. Not that I'm saying that it's okay. All I'm saying is I'm like, there's probably more to the story that's being let on. But literally the fact that two people were fucking murdered two days after he left. And then it was like, oh, we're going to do an in-depth. Here was a, here's what pissed me off. It's like, we're going to do an in-depth investigation. To make to see if um the security was corrupt or like underfunded or like undermanned, like all this bullshit. And I was like, you all fucking knew it was, Chad. Like you all fucking knew it was. Like, fuck you and the DA for pretending that you give a shit. Like the like I'm not condoning the fucking custodians or the orderlies or the attendants for abusing these mentally ill patients? No way. No fucking way. I'm not condoning them for any of the abuse that I read about that I didn't fucking mention. But I'm also not condoning the fact that this dude's not bludgeoned. His aunt, his homie, got bludgeoned to death with a fucking, fucking, what's it called? A fire extinguisher. Like, they just got bludgeoned to society because this what? They had no support. They had no people to back them up. They had no management. They had no supervisor. They had nobody. And you're like, we're just going to check to make sure. Like, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Done.
Mm-hmm. I can't with it. I get so angry when it comes to that kind of stuff that I get. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but that's the story. That's what real life Michael Myers. Like he escaped from mental facilities. He murdered his fucking sister, which sent him to the mental hospital. But he didn't kill anyone as far as we know. And every time he's escaped. So there you go. Interesting. I'm curious to see if anybody finds anything out someday. And we missed it. I don't know. Post it on Reddit. See if anybody comes up. (laughs) So with that said, thank you all so, so much for being here and listening to all of our rants and our raves. And if you have questions, comments, please let us know. Um, As the YouTubers say, smash the like button and turn on those notifications. Um, comment down below because we actually do read the comments and we would like to um, respond to you guys. So yeah. thank you all for being here. We appreciate you so, so much. And we can't wait for anyone who, not for anyone, for everyone who uh, subscribes to our Patreon Patreon to see our awesome Halloween episode. So thank you all for being here. We love you so, so much. And we will see you on the other side. Bye. Bye. I turn this off. There we go.